things are not what they used to be. We have heard our parents say that before. Well, today we're going to talk about it, but more specifically, we're going to talk about why retirement planning is not what it used to be. Many topics to cover on today's episode of Perfect Game Retirement. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the windup and the delivery. Welcome into Perfect Game Retirement. Glad to have you. I'm Ben George. He's Ryan Madden, President and Financial Coach over Black Oak Asset Management. They have offices in Alpharetta and Cartersville and serving that Atlanta area. Ryan, I know everybody says, hey, things aren't like they used to be, right? Mm-hmm. I know you've heard your parents say it. You probably say it to your kids. I know I, I say it too. <laughs> We're all guilty of it. But when it comes to retirement, it's true. It, just, it ain't what it used to be, is it? No, and to your first point, yeah, I, th- I think that's when I started realizing I was actually in my 40s when I started saying stuff like that. I'm like, oh my God, I'm saying, no, oh, we used to do this. I'm like, <laughs> yep. uh, I'm middle-aged. Um, so yeah, as far as retirement planning goes, yeah, it's a completely different animal, scope, spectrum, you name it. It is, is it's way different. Uh, I think it helps me have job security <laughs> because the pensions and the you know, staying at one company for 40 years and getting the gold watch at the end just doesn't very rarely happens anymore. So there's a lot of other things you got to take, take into consideration for sure. Well, that's the focus today on this episode of Perfect Game Retirement. We're going to talk about the different challenges that that you face now that maybe your parents uh, and their parents didn't have to face or have to overcome when they were getting ready for retirement and, and why, you know, relying on the experiences of your parents and other family members might not always be enough to help you get to uh, retire, financial independence and, and a comfortable retirement. So we're going to help you think through some of these issues and and just be aware of these challenges that, that you face that uh, you know were different from previous generations. We'll also have a mailbag question later, a little getting to know question. We're going to throw Ryan's way as well before we get out of here. And everything we do is can be found online, blackoakam.com. Please subscribe to the show, too, if you haven't done that. We do appreciate that. It helps us continue to grow. And if you have any questions, as always, about what we talk about today, 470-508-0508 is the number for Black Oak Asset Management. And you can give Ryan a call anytime to talk about financial planning issues and concerns and questions that you might have. So let's jump into this. Um, and and I like this topic because there is so much. And, and it's it's crazy how much things have changed. And you mentioned like it was a pretty easy... I don't know if it was ever it's ever been really easy, but for retirement it was pretty structured, right? You you find a job, you work at that job for a while, and then you know your retirement needs are pretty met. You don't have to think a whole lot about where you're putting your money, and uh, and how you're investing because you know that you have those income streams. And that's the first place I want to start, Ryan. Is is pensions? I know when I worked uh, I worked at ESPN for a little while, and when I first started, and I I I just kind of assumed I didn't know a whole lot about you know, financial structures and compensation. But we, we there was a pension in place when I started ESPN. Hmm. And about two years, I think about two years in, because I started in 2006, and, you know, obviously everything hit in 2008. And right after that, that was one of the decisions they made. And I'm sure this happened at a lot of major companies where they had to make cuts. And one of the cuts they decided to make was, hey, anybody that comes in from this point forward won't be in our pension system. So there's a lot of people that have started work or at some point maybe saw the pension go away. And anybody that's getting into work now, 
these pensions are just so rare at this point, right? And Social Security is really the only income stream that many people are going to have to depend on. And that is a big, big challenge right away. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, pensions, your story is is very common. Uh, you know, oh, I you know, started here and then they got rid of it or they suspended it or it, it's, it's very, very common. You, there's very little private sector pensions left. There are still some, uh, not many, but there are still some out there. And a lot of times those pensions uh, just come from government oriented type jobs, whether it's a, you know, teacher or a government official, but even some government sponsored jobs have less and less pensions as well. You hear states around the country, you hear municipalities around the country going bankrupt and they can't fund those pensions uh, anymore. So it is very difficult. I mean, pensions of the, the old days, I mean, my dad receives one and he worked for utility company, Southern company for long, long, long time. And he's, he's got a pension. It's, it's a good pension. And he, he's obviously very thankful for it. He's got income coming in every single month along with social security, but there's not, not many that have that anymore. And you're right. Social security is the main steady source of income that is consistent every single month as long as they're alive. Even now, if some people have a pension, their companies are giving them lump sum options. They want them off the books. Like they do not want them to be a liability anymore. They don't want to pay them forever because they're living longer. So they don't want that on their balance sheet anymore. So they're saying, hey, here's a $400,000 lump sum. Take it, please go. <laughs> it's almost like they want you to absolutely take it. And, and there, is a, there is a kind of calculation that you could do with these lump sums to see if the, if the potential income off the lump sum is greater than or equal to the pension that they are guaranteeing. I say guaranteeing with air quotes because those could go under as well. Sometimes lump sums are more beneficial, not always, but sometimes they are because that's your asset now. It's something you can pass on. So if, God forbid, something happens to you early on and that pension dies with you do, well, if you got a lump sum instead of that pension, well, that's something you can pass on. So a lot of a lot of analysis and nerdiness to, to go into those lump sums versus pensions, but it's just a thing of the uh, a thing of the past and there are some of my clients do have pensions or government employees and it's great but you never e even those are under sc scrutiny like does it need to be the do changes need to be made um is the calculation need to be different where it's going to lessen the amount so it's it's falling on the shoulders of each person so that's why i do think I don't know if retirement crisis is the right word, but I think there's going to be a retirement issue one day because people just don't save enough money. And we'll see, I think we're going to see the effects of that, of really kind of my generation, that latter baby boomer, early mm -hmm. generation X and Y. I think that's going to, it's going to show and we'll see if, if people have saved enough or not. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's interesting, but also scary because, you know, I think when, we're not, we weren't taught that growing up, Ryan, right? Because, you know, financial education obviously lacks in general, but it wasn't something that our parents had to experience. They, they kind of, they knew, Hey, you just work. You're going to have this, this money coming in when you're retired. You don't, you obviously want to put money aside, but maybe it wasn't always a, Hey, you're going to need more than maybe you anticipate. So, you know, do a little bit better job of saving because you're not, you're not going to have as much income guaranteed later in life. That's just not something we thought about. Obviously it's become more apparent to us as we've gotten older and we know that, Hey, let's go ahead and try to protect ourselves a little bit more than, 
than we are or have been doing. But yeah, it's just not something we are prepared for, and it, it could cause a lot of mistakes with for people. Yeah, it's you're right. I mean, yeah, it's another soapbox I could get on about financial education. It's yeah. it, it, it is terrible in this country. Period. I mean, there's no other way to sugarcoat it. It's it should be a mandatory class, and it's not, and it's electives. If, if people want to take it, but yeah, people are just 100% unprepared when they sit down for that first job that they, that they get and they don't know their benefits. They don't know what to pick, select, you name it. So it's, it's definitely lack of education. All right. So that's the first one. And I do, th- I do always going back to my, my job at ESPN, I always do think about that. I got like a $200 pension coming in, Ryan, when I, when I retire, $200 a month, I think is what I built up before I left there. But yes, I always do wonder like, <laughs> what, how, how different. And I, I wouldn't obviously go back and change kind of how, I, where I am now and everything else, but, you know, just to go back and think about, man, to have, to have been building on that for, you know, 20 or 25 years would have been awesome. But alas, I got $200. I can probably not going to count on any of that. That's just going to be extra money that comes in. It won't be built into my financial plan, but. Have they offered you a lump sum? Uh, they have not. I don't think they need to buy me out, but maybe some <laughs> of the people I used to work with might get that offer at some uh, point. <laughs> uh, but if I do get that, I'll be sure to come talk to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. So alongside that, the next thing that's changed is life expectancies, right? So I think when you talk Social Security, when it was when it was first formed, I think you know, life expectancies were in the in the sixties. I think when it was first mm-hmm. developed, so it was like, hey, you're going to get Social Security, but you only be collecting it for a few years. Well, that's obviously changed. You know, eighty, ninety years old is a pretty common age right now. So not only do you have to to live longer and you get to enjoy that, but you have to find a way to fund that. And that makes planning so much more difficult when you're having to figure out 10, 15, 20 more years. Yeah, no doubt. And so, yeah, the stats you just gave on Social Security, 100% accurate. I mean, I've done presentations on this. And yeah, when, when Social Security was uh, originally done, the average person collected it for 3.1 years. So yeah, it's a great system. You pay into it your entire life and then you collect it for 3.1 years. So the system was great. Well, now it's a little over 24 years, at least the last data. So don't quote me on that exact age. But the the, the point is, it's a huge difference. Eight times is longer. <laughs> You're collecting social security. So life expectancies are longer. Yes, the, that nest egg has to last longer. And yes, yeah, so that's another reason why social security is under such stress is because of the stress or the strain that people's longevity has placed on the system. Modern medicine is keeping us around a lot longer. And sometimes, you know, it could be a mental illness. So physically the shell of our bodies are healthy, but our minds are not. And before it just with, without the, some of the modern medicine we have, people were, were dying at early ages. And so social security system worked. Now we're living longer and we're not saving as much, and we don't have a pension. So <laughs> that's why there's a concern uh, yeah. in the big, in grand scheme of things. So people are going to have to work longer potentially, uh, maybe live on less, and just you, you got to have a plan for it. I cannot stress that enough. I mean, the days of an advisor just being a money manager, they just you got to be a planner to help to help people out and do these things because there's so much, so many different pieces to the puzzle to figure this stuff out. So life expectancies, they've actually 
um, I think the last I heard, uh, saw, like life expectancies pretty much stalled out or maybe even decreased just slightly. And I think it's, okay. you know, COVID, you could probably throw that, that right. reason in there because a lot of people were young, uh, or I should say some people were young. Uh, and died unexpectedly, but still it's, it's late seventies right there around 80 or so. Um, and there's a really good chance if you're healthy in your mid sixties, really good chance you're going to live into your nineties. So again, when we talk about average life expectancy, that factors in everything. So, uh, but yeah, having to make that money last a good bit longer, it's, it's tough to do. That's why you have to save on your own to be able to do this and not, um, rely on social security to be the only factor because if they do change it then that could lower your income and then you know then you're in a then you're in some hurt because you're on probably a fixed income in retirement let us realize how depressing this episode might sound to a lot of people so <laughs> we should just go ahead and apologize we're, we're only halfway through the uh the, the bad news i guess but um so we gotta we don't get as much money in retirement as people used to uh we're living longer so we got to fund it more well the next piece of bad news is it's tougher to earn that money because interest rates are lower and the savings account basically just is a p- place mark for your 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 cash it doesn't really do much else money markets cds none of these now they might start creeping back up again with interest rates increasing but but right now is it's basically non-existent in terms of earning money there so that's another thing it's it's, it's just hard to find a way to to grow your money right now it is i mean interest rates I think we talked about this before on the show. We talked about the 4% rule, 4% rules. You know, you could take 4% out of your nest egg and, you know, pretty much not worry about too much of the principal fluctuating too much. You could just pull off that. Well, that's when you factored in CD rates and savings accounts and bonds yielding a pretty good, a pretty good bit. I mean, when I say a pretty good bit, six to 10 to 12% on those things. Well, sure. If my safe investments are doing that, then yeah, that's easy to do. Uh, I shouldn't say easy, but a lot less difficult than it is now to manage and navigate those waters. So interest rates are so low now, which means interest rates are going to start creeping up, which they have been doing. And if you've been paying attention, bond prices go down when interest rates go up. Now, does that mean savings accounts, money markets, and CDs will probably go up? Yeah, they have. They've been creeping up. It's usually a slow creep, uh, you know, if the Fed changes interest rates or increase them, CDs and money markets usually follow, but it's a lag uh, behind that. So you will start to see those things creep up. But uh, yeah, with interest rates being so low, uh, it's just difficult to to create any kind of return on safe investments. And so you see some people taking on too much risk because they're chasing returns. I mentioned that in the last show. You want to take on risk, but do what's what you're comfortable with because that is really the best way to keep up with them, to stay ahead or keep up with inflation is to be in the market. But that doesn't mean 100% of your money needs to be in the market. So yeah, interest rates low for, what, 30 years um, have really affected people's income because it's it's tough to do. It's, it's tough to create uh, those those bonds or you know treasury notes that just don't produce a whole lot that people could rely on uh, before. Now I know people talk about I bonds right now. Well, sure, I bonds are really high right now, nine plus percent, but you can only put ten grand in those things uh, per person. So it's not like it's a significant amount, and there's a little bit of a holding period there. So it could be a place to park some of your money. Great, uh, but it's not going to it's not going to move the needle on your retirement as far as income goes. So interest rates being lower are, are definitely 
put us behind the eight ball, if you will, and maybe as interest rates continue to go up to slow down inflation, that is really the main reason why interest rates go up to slow inflation, which it needs to do. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe some of these safe investments will start going up o over the long run. Would be nice to see. I remember, I remember uh, probably two thousand five ish when uh, when online banking was getting more popular. I got in. I think it was uh, I think it was ING Direct at the time. I don't even think they're a thing anymore. But I got like a five percent interest rate. It was like the best feeling ever. Man, I long for that day again, Ryan. Oh, absolutely. I mean, CDs were six month CDs were six percent around two thousand. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, whoa, people would be. Yeah, they'd be running each other over trying to get stuff like that. Yeah, it's unheard <laughs> it's of now. now. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. All right, a couple more here. Uh, we're talking about why, why retirement planning ain't what it used to be. And um, this one could be good and bad. Um, you can look at it two different ways, but there's just so much information right now about, available to us. Everywhere we turn, we can get access to whatever uh, in, in a moment's notice. Now, that can be good, obviously, because you can learn more, you can study more, you can listen to this like this podcast and other financial education programs like that anytime you want to. But there's just also so much more out there now that it can be very difficult to sift through and then actually even make a decision on. This is 100% true because it is constant, nonstop in our face. We can't get away from it. I tell a lot of my clients to turn the TV off sometimes because again, staying informed is one thing, but then like staying informed based off of what your circumstances are, not what everybody else's circumstances are. So having these people on, on camera, whether it's the, you know, the stock picking guru that we all know who's so annoying on TV. Um, but then you see these pundits on there who predict this, predict that. And it's just, it, it sells TV space is what it does. It's clickbait. It captures your eyeballs. It captures your attention. And, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get your very ADD attention span to listen to what they're saying or to read what they're saying. Because if it's just boring advice, like, hey, this too shall pass, stay the court, like no one's going to be like, ooh, let me read about that. It's just not going to happen. It's okay, you know, six months from now, the market's going to be down 40%. Ooh. How to save your, you know, how to save your retirement by doing blah blah blah. Oh, let me click on that. So yeah, information paralysis by analysis is what a lot of people are going through right now. It never really goes away because even when the market is really good, oh, it's it's about to correct. It's about to correct. It's about to go down. I'm gonna hear that all the time. So when it's down, it's gonna keep going down. When it's up, it's gonna come down. It's like good grief. Like look at the stats of our history of our economy. And I know it doesn't reflect what could go forward, but there's only so many years that the market has done really, really poor. And it's it's staggering uh, on how often the market does well or has a positive rate of return. And those huge, those huge troughs or huge valleys are not very often. And it's usually the ones who panic or the ones who really feel the pain of it and get out and then don't really receive the recovery as they go up. So stay informed, but remember your situation, your situation's different. So yeah, talk to your advisor. I mean, I, I do that a lot. Just, Hey, let's revisit the plan. Okay. We're down 10% this year. Okay. We're still good. We're still fine. Okay. So keep revisiting those things just to make sure your plan's in place. All right. One more, uh, man, just, it's tough going through this and thinking about my own retirement right now and how <laughs> difficult things are going to be for us, Ryan. But the last one is, Volatility in the stock market. Um, 
it, it seems like, and maybe it's just because of recency bias and what we've been through since 2020, but it just seems like there are these much bigger swings. Um, it's I remember before, like a one percent swing would be a would be a pretty big deal, but since the era of COVID, I mean, a three, four, five percent swing in a day is like it doesn't even really make headlines anymore. So that volatility makes it so much tougher to invest and, and grow your money in the market. Yeah, volatility swings definitely have been since COVID have have seen higher peaks and lower valleys for sure. It's but you can also benefit from volatility at the same time. And I know it's tough to uh, swallow that, especially if you're retired and you're still taking income out. Well, sometimes it need there's modifications that need to be made. Maybe we don't take out as much, or maybe we take out money of cash reserves while the market's down. We've done that with plenty of clients. We may have some money sitting on the sidelines like, hey, let's push pause for a couple months. Let's see how this shakes out. We're fine. We got cash reserves. That's why having those um, those boring safe accounts that we just mentioned, those CDs and money markets and savings accounts, having those in place to potentially pull income from while the market is down, and then just replenish it when the market's going to go up because it will go up. I promise. You know, we just don't know when or how high, but it will go back up and replenish those. So when it goes over that kind of stated rate of return that you have built in your plan, then carve off a little bit more, replenish your savings if you want to. Uh, that's a definite easy strategy to do, but the volatility, yeah, no doubt. I mean, when the market's down or up 300 points because of the sure volume of the indices that are out there now, you're like 300 points. It's like, eh, no big deal. <laughs> 300 points used to be the big deal back in the, back in the day. But when you look at actual percentages of how it moves, it, 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 doesn't seem to register as much, but there have been days where it's two, three, four percent. And as a long-term investor, I see that as an opportunity. And I tell my clients that I don't know what it's going to do the next day, but it's no guarantee it will it will go up. But I know it's on sale three percent more than it was the day before. So if we have some money sitting on the sidelines, let's let's plug it in and invest it. So that's where you have to look at it as an opportunity. I think Warren Buffett said basically do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. And that's pretty true because uh, we move with the herd a lot of times and the herd usually panics and gets emotional with it. And I've told, I told every, every listener on here before, that's when I earn my money is when things are going bad, when things are going great, it's great. You don't really hear much about it, but when it's, when it's down, that's when you got to, to reach out, educate and meet with people and remember what their plan is, not just their account balance, but what their plan is. Yeah, so much to think about here, Ryan. And again, this is just kind of hammered home the fact that you need to have a plan. I mean, it it, it used to be where you you know your parents probably could have gotten through uh, life and retirement without a financial advisor, but to do it today is so much more difficult. There are so many different things you have to manage here, from income to expenses to investing. All these different things um, have to be calculated and need to be done right in order to ensure that you can have confidence in retirement, which is what we all want to have. So again, start by sitting down with an advisor if you haven't done that. If you want to talk with Ryan over at Black Oak Asset Management, log on to the website, blackoakam.com. You can schedule your Retirement Coach 360 session online now. Do that and just start that process because that's the biggest thing, Ryan, right? I, I can't imagine many people that can do this on their own and do it successfully. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when you look at the so many moving parts of it, and yes, I'm a biased opinion, no doubt, but I see how us or any most advisors help people out. It's, it's juggling. 
it's juggling all the nuances of this stuff. It's not just, you know, because investments are investments. Anybody can get those, you know, that's the, the maintenance of those things and staying the course and helping people navigate those waters. Yes, that's where we can definitely help. But ETFs, mutual funds, individual stocks with with uh, robo advisors, not you can get that stuff anywhere. So was, there's no like exclusivity when it comes to stuff like that. In the 80s and 90s, yeah, they used to have to go through a quote unquote broker. I think someone called me a broker a couple of months ago and I <laughs> wanted to throw up. I'm like, oh my God, no. Um, that's not what I do. Uh, I'm a planner. Uh, I'm a financial planner, not, not a broker. And if you need a broker, I'm not your guy. So, but yeah, there is a lot to navigate, even when there's a death, uh, having to help people through that, walk them through that, because that's a tough time. So that's where people really don't see that the value in, in what advisors provide to, to walk them through that, to walk them through those sort of scenarios, because there's a lot of things people don't think of, and it's not their fault. That goes back to the education system where it's failing us from a financial literacy standpoint. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right. I got a question for you. A couple questions. First, uh, one from Ruth and I'll have one for you myself. Um, Ruth first up, she wrote in and said, there's no way I'm going to spend through my savings during my life. So I'll end up leaving a lot to my kids, but they'll probably be in their forties and fifties when that happens. I feel like they could use the money more now while they're in their twenties and thirties to help with things like student loan payoff and home purchases. So should I start giving money away to them now? Yeah, Ruth, I think with with what you have going on, I, I if I was in your situation, I probably would because you can see them enjoy those things as opposed to getting a giant lump sum and spending it on whatever they want. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't happen all the time, but I've seen inherited money spent faster than any dollar ever made. So you could put very strict stipulations. Now, obviously, if you give it to them, Ruth, it's their money. They can do as they as they please. But I think if you have a sit-down meeting with them and say, hey, this is a gift, not a loan. This is a gift I am giving you guys because I want to see you enjoy it. But I want you to, my wishes are for you to use it for a down payment for a house, paying off consumer debt, student loans, whatever whatever it may be. And because you can give those gifts each year and not have to pay uh, tax on, taxes on it. So I think it'd be a great gift, Ruth. Um, you know your kids better than I do. If you think they're financially irresponsible, maybe not a good idea because they may tell you they're going to use it on one thing and use it on something else. So that's your judgment call. But if you think they have a good foundation in place and want to help them, quote unquote, get ahead in life with paying debt off and and buying a home, absolutely, I would give that money away. Yeah, no, that's what my parents have done. Some they've 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 always just said, "Hey, we'd rather help you out with things that you need right now rather than passing on money later in life. Um, let you let you a enjoy it, let us see you enjoying it, but also you know help hopefully put you in a better position as mm-hmm. you move through life rather than." getting all at once, but, uh, to everyone, everyone sees things differently. So, uh, great question though. And I'm glad that you're in that position, Ruth, where you can help out like that. It's a great spot to be in. Absolutely. All right. Uh, again, if you have questions, send them in blackoakam.com is the website. All right. I've got one for you before we finish out this episode of perfect game retirement. It's a little getting to know you question for Ryan. We like to do, uh, from time to time, what food, Ryan, when you were growing up, did you love as a kid that now you look back on and you cannot believe you ate it? <laughs> Baby food. No. Um, <laughs> you I, remember honestly, that? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the first thing that popped in my head. Probably candy, just candy in general. 
Yeah. Because I see how obsessive my kids, and I think back, I'm like, surely I wasn't this, my world did not revolve this much around it, but it probably did. I just don't remember that, but I see my kids now and they eat it and obviously they get super hyper, but they still feel fantastic. I mean, if I ate a whole roll of like Starburst, <laughs> I'd feel disgusting and I'd feel terrible and fat and, you know, anything else you can think of. But I just, they'll offer me one and I have no desire. I'm like, nah, yeah, I'm good. I just, I don't know. I think maybe it's a maturity thing over time, but there's really... Besides uh, junior mints, that's kind of a weakness uh, when it comes to candy. But outside of that, yeah, no desire. But I'm sure my life revolved around it like my kids, especially my daughter. She says she's going to uh, run her own candy store one day. So <laughs> They're all in, huh? Yeah, she's all in. And hopefully that will change. But the amount that she consumes, I would not doubt that she will have one one day. That's funny. My, my daughter's in a similar spot. She's just, I mean, she's still two and a half, so she's not eating a ton of candy, but she's yeah. discovering candy. She likes the Starburst. She'll eat one at a time, though, but yeah. and lollipops. But And even just this morning on the way out to, to school, to daycare, hmm. we there we have a, a couple of pumpkins still sitting on top of the refrigerator, just the buckets. And there, she was like, hey, let me take that to school with me this morning. So we pulled it down. There's actually still candy in it. So now she wants to, to eat that when she gets home from school today. So <laughs> that's what we have to look forward to. But yeah. yeah, the radar's up now, man. Good luck. There's no going back now. <laughs> Thankfully, she can't eat a ton of it right now. She's not quite <laughs> to that point yet, but probably when she gets older, she'd love to. So very good. Uh, well, I appreciate that. And, and we appreciate everything today, Ryan, because I know it's, it's tough with retirement planning and there's a lot to sort through. And I think today, hopefully open some eyes for people that maybe haven't taken planning seriously that, Hey, there are a lot of challenges right now. And it's not easy to, to move to retirement. People talk about retirement all the time, but it's, it takes, it takes work to get there, to be in a good spot. So you want to make sure you're there and, and confidence. You have that confidence once you get to that point that you don't have to worry about work and your money and that sort of thing. So again, get your planning started. If you haven't done so now, take this time, this opportunity to to reach out to Ryan at blackoakam.com or over the phone at 470-508-0508 and, uh, and get that started. It's so, so very important. All right, Ryan, we'll close it out on that note. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, have a good time uh, this summer. I know you got a lot going on with the kids, so good luck with that and I uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledner, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.